0: Okay, so we're going to start the Vayomer, part of Shema, partial tzitzis, and we used the the introduction last week was essentially to, to balance this point of using, using our free will, which is the Avodav Shema, and using our thinking and uh, implementing it to help prevent us from getting into a situation where we will be sorely tested. And... That's sort of the, the, best, the best case. You know, Obviously, it's wonderful if a person can hold themselves back when they're under strain, and that's, and that's sort of the, that's the kind of semi-optional part of teshuva. You know, with teshuva, you have to have vidui. You have to, you have to recognize that you did something wrong. You have to admit it. You have to regret it, which is pretty painful. And you have to be macabre on yourself for the future, not to do it anymore, which is, um, in some ways, reminiscent of the theme of Parsha sitsis. There's a final level, which is sort of, I don't know if optional is exactly the word, which is when a person is in the situation again, and then they don't repeat the same mistake. You don't need that for tshuva. I mean, it's kind of the most perfect form of tshuva, but it's not required, and perhaps in part because the point is you should try not to go there. If Hashem does throw it your way, then yes, that would be kind of the ultimate is that you you would be able to prove the fact that your ratzon was in fact changed by the change in reaction to the situation. It's a little bit like what Yosef put his brothers through in setting up a scenario that wasn't... It wasn't the same scenario that had happened with him, but it played on the same feelings and the same ways that they might respond, and they responded differently. So that, but, and yet, you don't really choose that. <laughs> you, you stay away from it. And this is, this is, in fact, the point. I mean, this is the point of this third paragraph of Shema. You choose not to go there. But if you would go there, you also have your tzitzis. You know, it's both. The tzitzis are to prevent you from getting there, but they're also to help you if you would end up there. But it's about what you're choosing. And that is in alignment with the tzitzis themselves, where it's a chiyuv to wear tzitzis if you're wearing the beged. But it's up to you whether you wear the beged in the first place. So that's, you know, sort of having to make the choice. Okay, This Parsha starts out it's one of these things that is, if we had to say, we we don't have the breadth of familiarity with all of Chumash, that this pasuk jumps out at us. And it's also counterbalanced by the fact that we say these P'sukkim and Shema hopefully twice a day. Day after day after day after day. And sometimes, you know, so... This, to us, seems like whatever is in Shema is the most common use of words, and whatever is in the rest of the Torah is less frequent. That's how it seems to us, because that's how we experience the words. But that's not necessarily, if you would just do a straight you know, numerical analysis of how words are used, you could have a situation where over here something is actually a very rare use. You, you know, but to us, it seems the most familiar. And that's exactly what we have starting off here, which is that this Parsha starts, Vayomer Hashem El Moshe more, And it turns out, and I, I really want to run like a little bit of a search on it, just to see, did he mean that it was the only case of it, or just a rare case? Um, but the truth is, the more common one is like in, Vayera Vayedaber Hashem El Moshe more. Not Vayomer Hashavah Moshe Lemur. It's usually Vayidavah Hashavah Moshe Again, I would never, ever notice. I mean, I might notice something like, oh, it's Vayomer and Lemur, only because I happen to notice somebody explaining about it. But this seems to be the most familiar to me. But the Orchayim says, no, no, it's not. He says, Tam Shinui Parsha Zoh. I'm going to explain the reason for the difference in this Parsha. Meaning, surely it jumped out at you and you're wondering why is this Pasuk so different from all other Pasukim in the Torah. So I'm going to explain to you this shinui, this change, like tanah. why is it different? She'amar, that this Pasuk says, vayomer ma'sha'enkeim came torah which is not the case in all of the Torah. Now I'm not sure that he means there is no other case in all the Torah. It's possible from the way he phrased it that what he meant is, it's just not typical in all of the Torah like that. It's not usually like that. But I didn't manage to go and search it out to check. Shebekulan, because in all of them who Omer, the Pasuk says Vayedaber. Right? I mean, you can have a Pasuk like we have here, Tupzikum before this, in um in the Chumash, Vayomer Hashem al-Moshe. But if it's, if it's more then it's, Seems to be almost always vayyadaber hashama moshelema. It always says vayyadaber. So why does it say here vayomer? Yisbaral pi mamramzal. We will explain this according to what Chazal have taught us. Sheamru. Chazal said kisera moshe maase hamikoshesh. This comes back to context. When Moshe saw. The affair of the stick gatherer, he the, said the to the God. Wood, the wood collector on the Shabbos. The wood collector on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Now, what you have to know is that when you read Parsha Shlach, that's the event that leads into Tzitzis. Okay? So the people who found the person who was Makoshesh etzim, gathering trees brought him to Moshe and Aaron and to the whole community. And they placed him in a jail. Hang on one second. They placed him under surveillance because it was not clear to them what they should do. Sorry, It was not clear to them what they should do. And Hashem said to Moshe, he shall surely die. He shall be stoned with stones by the community outside the machaneh. And they took him outside of the machaneh, of the encampment, and he was stoned with rocks and he died as Hashem commanded Moshe. Vayomer Hashem El Moshe Limor. <laughs> speak to the Jewish people and give them tzitzis, and tell them about tzitzis, and they'll make tzitzis on their garb. Okay, so yeah, we don't notice that every morning. We thought that it was following something about Vahayim Shemoa. It's not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> With, this parsha is over here in Shalach, which is in Bamidbar, and Shema, and Vehavda, and Vahayim Shema are all from Dvar. This parsha actually follows the man who was gathering wood on Shabbos. Okay, so he's. It, yeah. <laughs> the man who was gathering wood on Shabbos is also an interesting person because it seems that the 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 most common way of understanding why he was gathering wood was he was gathering wood for the sake of kavod shemayim that he went out to gather wood and he had to be warned. You know, people said, you know, you're not allowed to gather wood. He said, yeah, I know, you're not allowed to gather wood. And they said, you know that if you gather wood, you could be high of Misa. And he said, yeah, I know, but I'm going to do it anyway and did it. Right? So why would someone do such a thing? Only if they were intentionally doing such a thing. Mind you, a little bit of the Eitz Adas, right? I mean, it's only you're choosing to do it. He was choosing to do it so that it would become obvious to people the importance of keeping Shabbos. How serious it was, it's straight, Yeah, like we would say, yeah, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Like, but that seemed. And I wonder a little. I haven't studied this topic so much. Maybe next time we get around to shalach, that would be interesting. It's so hard because you're so busy with the miraglim and with there's <laughs> so many things. But, um, but it could be. It's because it was not clear what would happen to him. Maybe he felt that that lack of clarity was going to lead to. I don't know. But you can again see that there's maybe some kind of connection between what happened with the Makoshe Shaitzim about the kind of choices that you make. How you choose to put yourself in a situation or choose not to put yourself in a situation. And that's the choice you make in advance. Right? Sometimes things, you know, events are thrust upon us and then we but most of the time we think that's so and it isn't. We really were making choices in advance, and where did we get to? Sometimes things get thrust upon us, then a different kind of ability to react is called for. So Moshe saw the events regarding the man who gathered the wood, Amar Lifnei Hashem, and he said to Hashem, Bimeh hachol lov Yisrael on weekdays the Jewish people are wearing tefillin, v'zochrin ha-mitzvos, and they remember the mitzvos. In other words, if it hadn't been Shabbos and he had been wearing tefillin, that never could have happened. Right, I mean, because you, you say what? That's what you're worried about? Is the Tefillin? Like, no. He's saying if he'd been wearing Tefillin, he never could have gone and gathered wood. So what's going to happen beyond Ba Bame Yizkiru. On Shabbos, how will people remember to do the mitzvos? It's so funny, because for us, like we could see forgetting during the week. We get so involved with everything else. On Shabbos, you're busy with mitzvahs. We'll come back to this idea again. because like mm-hmm. Chazal on its own, I think, is difficult for us to apply well, was, or relate to, really. Yes, in the Midbar, they didn't have like, daily occupations. So Learning Torahs, was, every day was every like day Shabbos. Every day was like Shabbos. could be and Hashem replied to him, Ha'reni no lahem mitzvah tzitzis. I'm going to give them the mitzvah of tzitzis. Sheba yizkiru, that through this they will remember all the mitzvos, And therefore it says, Amira, Vayomer Hashem al-Moshe, uh, Vayomer, yeah, Vayomer Hashem al-Moshe lemor, because Amira ha-Mis, I don't know how you pronounce it, Misa'edes, Es Halev B'mevoksho, that the speech has pleasantness. When you have the word Vayomer, <clears throat> Amira, there's a gentleness and a pleasantness. The, the Orheim says this throughout Tanakh. He'll often say, why does it says Daber over there, Dibur in one place, and Amira in another place, and Amira is always a more gentle, it's associated with Rachamim versus Din. It's, he says, Hashem is answering Moshe in a way that will satisfy his heart. So one thing is, Vayomer Hashem HaMoshe Leimor, Hashem is saying to Moshe, he's speaking to him in a way that will satisfy his heart, that will ease his worries. Another point that we see coming out of this, even before we get to trying to understand it at all, is that Sittis is a response to what happened with the Makoshe Shetzim, That there is somehow a connection mm-hmm. there. Okay. Now I'm going to continue with the Orachaim. Daber elbine Sir El, Velmarta Alehem. Speak to the Jewish people. There's Dibur, which is more firm, that's associated with Din. Velmat Alehem. And say to them, and now you've gone back to Amira, which is somehow gentle, satisfying. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Daber, speak to the Jewish people. let yesh There is an Indian of dibor here because there's a chiyuv here. There is an obligation. If you're wearing, right? I mean, you have to have sort of a dibor involved if there's a mitzvah. And the ob- obligatory, din side of this is, if you're wearing the garment, then you do need to put tzitzit on it. So there's the Devar. Asulahem. Throw on one second. Where it is? Okay, I didn't find here, so I'm going to continue and imagine it will show up. Sorry. <laughs> okay. The next, the next piece. Just a few little background pieces we need to do on this Vayomer Hashem Mojaleh. That was the first one. It's a follow-on to the sin, and it's satisfying to the heart and there's an element of dibor, but most of it is amira amira which which satisfies the heart it refers to of a covered hanim menu the well this is actually important I, I cut off the orheim too soon i'm sorry he says why does it say daber ve why both meaning if it's a mitzvah and so it's dibor, then why say ve alehem and say to them you could have left those words out altogether he says, no, you have to have the amartza alehem, because he's also telling them about mala, about elevation, the kavod and honor or glory, hanimshach mena, that comes from doing the mitzvah. Right, you'll be kadosh to Hashem and I'm God who took you out of mitzvahim. Okay, so the Dibur referred to the obligation to do it, whether you feel like it or not. But the Amira, Vayomer Hashem, El Moshe Lamor, and then Vayomarta Alehem, is that they will look to or they will be reminded of or learn about the beauty and the honor and the elevation they can achieve through doing this mitzvah. That it was important that Moshe should tell them this. Hashem wants Moshe to tell them that they'll be elevated through the mitzvah. Now I'm coming back to. Harsha's in Shemoz, which we just read a few weeks ago, where there is a Ramban on the Posak, Vayyadaber Hashem El Moshe limor. Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, and there's a Vayyadab, that's the more classic vayyadaber, and then Lemor. And here's a bunch of examples, which I'm not gonna run through all of them. It says Handachon Beenai. What is correct to me in understanding this is in every place that you see speech described as Amira, it means explanation and clarification of the topic in every case. This fits very well with what the Orachayim said about satisfying the heart, explaining the elevation and the kavod that comes with doing the mitzvah. But it isn't the same exact point as what the Orachayim said. The Ramban is saying that in every case where you see Amira, that is explaining and clarifying the topic. So when it's combined, Vayidaber Hashem El Moshe, Leymor, which is what we have in Shmos, and which is actually a more typical Pasuk, the combination of the Vayidaber with the laymor. Is Hashem instructing Moshe Amira gemura to completely explain, lo amira not in a doubtful way, not in a not leaving some of the parts out, lo is davar, and not hinting to things, to actually explain and make it very clear and explicit. And this is constantly throughout the Torah, because Moshe's nevuos were pel bayitavrebo velo bechidos. Moshe himself is described as having from Hashem, which is face to face and not in riddles. You know, When there's a riddle that the Navi has to interpret, there's always room for something to be misinterpreted. But Hashem spoke to Moshe to give over the Torah. You don't want to leave room for that to be. Yeah, it should be explained out and explained clearly, not in riddles, not in puzzles. Alright, so now this is from the safer Haaras Hatvila, he brings a lot of different mefarshim. he quotes he starts by quoting the Ramban. The Ramban impars Lo'era. Hevi Sha Mefarshim, Biarro Kavanas Mila, Lamor, bechol Hatora, Laimor Liisral, Makar sorry, he it this is the part that he doesn't agree with. Milas Laimor. The word laymore, according to the Ramban, Ba Lahoros al ha-inyan, means to explain fully the topic. Therefore, Vaidabar Hashem El Moshe Lemur is Hashem telling Moshe to speak it out clearly, not in a doubtful way and not in hints. And this is used this way throughout the Torah. And that is, in fact, uh, not surprising that Moshe himself received the Torah from Hashem this way. Which means that the explanation, if you combine together the idea of the Ramban, and the Orochayim, that a person feels more satisfied in his heart when he understands things very clearly. That when you're left with a doubt and you're not exactly sure, does it fit, does it not fit, I had a question, I didn't get to answer the question, they just told me to do it, don't ask any questions, why, that's just the way it is, that that's not satisfying to the heart. Now we don't say that in every case we always have to feel so satisfied, and yet, there's a recognition The Torah is telling us over here that the way that Hashem is telling Moshe to give over the mitzvos, that the ideal way of teaching Torah and teaching mitzvahs should be that they're fully, fully explained. That you know the details, you understand the reasoning, you know where it comes from, you understand the elevation and the kavod that can come out from doing these things. And in this way, a person's heart feels satisfied by what they've learned. Um, Rav Hirsch asks the question or addresses the question that is asked by Hazal, what's the connection between the gatherer of the wood and the parsha of the tzitzis? He says, Vayomer, the Vayomer Hashem al-Moshe over here is adding on to what came before. And God spoke. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely an outcome and a connection from what came previously. He says, here the Vayomer not only attaches the law introduced by it, to the event immediately preceding it, but as we shall see, it presents itself altogether as the summing up of all the events and laws contained in the chapter of Shlach Lecha. He says, this ca- it is the cap of the Parsha, the Parsha of this is what ends Parsha Shlach, and that it in fact sums up somehow. It tops off all the events that came before. Um, and then Rav Hirsch goes on to say, Speak to the Jewish people and say and ve omarta alehem. Explain it to them, tell it to them. The tzitzis al kanfe And they shall make for themselves tzitzis on the corners of their garments for all generations. It doesn't say They, okay, this is difficult because of the English. It doesn't say, command them to make tzitzis on the corners of their garments. It says they will make tzitzis on the corners of their garments. In other words, if you explain it to them completely, then that will be the result that they will do it. He says, it doesn't say, they shall do it as as a command. It says, they'll do it. It's a result expected to have come by itself. That is the natural outcome of having it explained that way. So he says, explain it to them. Bring all the preceding and all the consequences that are attached to it so home to them that they will gladly make fringes on their garments, as I am explaining to you. Okay. The pieces are starting to build, each one on top of the next one, and leads, leads us somewhere. Rav Schwab, in his comments on the daughters of Tzlafchad, which according to some opinions, the Tzlafchad was the man who had gathered the wood. And so he has these five daughters who said, our father didn't die in the desert because of the punishment of the maraglim. He died in the desert for other reasons. There's no reason why he shouldn't get his inheritance, his part share in the land of Israel passed down to somebody, except he doesn't have sons. He only has daughters, right? And then the parsha comes out to be that. But this is why they say our, our father didn't die because of the maragla. He died for other reasons. I think we're from the tribe of Yosef, right? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Fine. Definitely from Yosef. Okay. So he, he quotes Rav Hirsch. That Hashem is commanding Moshe to speak to the Jewish people and explain to them, "Godel inyan the importance of the idea of this mitzvah. Okay, so now we've got like a little more specificity on the explanation, not just all the details of the mitzvah. Here's how many knots. Here's how many strings. Here's the size of the garment. Here's the material of the garment. Here's the material of the strings. Here's how they should be fashioned. Go del inyan You should explain to them the importance, the greatness of the mitzvah. Ad shiva Until you reach the point of, they go and make them. Haim ba'atzam al That they themselves go and make tzitzis on the corners of their garments. V'af she'yachol ha'adam lehi And even though a person can excuse himself, from this mitzvah, when he does not wear a garment that has four corners on it, oh, Shema or one of the four corners is rounded. So he wants to wear a garment that's like a it is because it's really in fashion. He just doesn't want the strings because that's not. Right? So he wears three pointy corners and one round corner. Mikoma komanu osim nachas ruach liotzreinu. But like it's natural, we would want to make a nachas ruach liotsreino. We want Hashem to have nachas from us. Here's an area where we have an opportunity to do something that makes Hashem happy with us. So, if it's explained to that point, then the effect will be that they'll go out and make the tzitzis. That's how much Moshe has to explain it. Now, the nation—I mean, in the time of the midbar—could be it didn't take much. I don't know. I mean, there's certainly a lot of emphasis on Amira, so it, it's only a given with a, lot of, a certain amount of work being suggested here. But in our generation, absolutely, it could be years and years of careful, gentle explaining before somebody will say, I want to go and put on tzitzis. Yeah, in the tradition that the kept the mitzvahs, didn't they already wear tzitzis? I don't know. It could be. There's, I mean, there's definitely... The, the mitzvah of tzitzis is, or talus is associated already with Abraham. Right, and shame. I don't see why they wouldn't have. You do have a distinction here, though, between the garment of the Beged and the... Uh, it's not made over here in the Parsha, but you do see different Meforsham. Rav Hirsch also talks about it. Like, we wear the underneath garment all the time. We don't really go around in a tallis Gadol all the time, even though both of them are four-cornered garments that require tzitzis and that uh, it's comparable to what has happened with tefillin, where we're not really able to wear them all the time. So we wear them, but not all the time. Mm. That what's happened with the arba is something similar. But there's also some important things about the fact that we do wear arba that will come out. (coughs) Sorry. And what this means is that there is a level in doing mitzvos where it's not the command that is driving the person to do the mitzvah. You need to have the command. We've talked about that in Vahaya Im plenty, right? You need to have the command because there's times when you don't feel inspired. And you still need to have given yourself the commitment so that you are so that you stay with the right way in your life where you want to go until you're able to get yourself back on track, maybe emotionally. But there is a a, a time and a place and a level where the reason that a person is keeping the Torah or doing a mitzvah is because he wants to fulfill the ratzon of Hashem. Not because the Torah said you have to do it and it's commanded. It's, it's coming from love. Yeah, which is, of course, also the theme of Shema. Okay, so now this is... I don't pretend to understand this fully, but I really want to. Maybe you'll help me. This is from... I actually have the book over here. Oh, maybe I don't read the... This is from a book called Shuva by Rabbi Ruben Leichter. It was a Talmud of Revolvi. This is an amazing approach. I mean, (laughs) I've really been... I've been working my way through extremely slowly to try and understand the ideas and absorb them and get there. But there is a very important... There's explanations that he gives here. Like, I haven't even finished the entire book, so I hope I'm not, you know, out of place quoting from it at all. Um, about Amira, and about how we approach change inside of ourselves. Because one of the things, I think I probably talked with you about this a little bit. I don't know. That there's a way that we do Torah. And there's a way that we keep mitzvos because we know we have to. And we require that. And that's din. And we need din also for the positive sides of din, like reward. <laughs> and we need din because there's a certain kind of growth that happens, you know, like a tree where it's hard and you're pushing against resistance. And that's the kind of growth that happens there that's very deep and isn't always visible. It doesn't always produce its fruits so quickly, to speak in Tu language, right? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't always show the results so quickly, but we have to push against it. The problem comes when the resistance seems to be even greater than our will to overcome it. So sometimes we find, well, oh, here, here's his description of the problem. However, for anyone who is serious about teshuva and genuinely wants to change his life, A mere momentary awakening of his will to act positively is obviously inadequate. We all know how the inspirational feelings we experience on certain special and rare occasions, when we're separated from the mundane realities of everyday life, invariably seem to fade away. This is because a direct confrontation with the problem is, as previously discussed, unlikely to succeed. If we simply focus on the same area in which we have sinned, Taking on our on Harisha Harishon, our negative inner will, we won't get far with our tshuva. It's a scary thought. And at the same time, to hear him say it, there's this kind of, oh, maybe it's not only that I wasn't, didn't have enough will. Maybe I've been doing it wrong. And it's sort of like you keep beating your head against, a, you know, the person who wants to smoke a cigarette, and their way of countering it is, no, I'm not going to smoke a cigarette. I want to smoke a cigarette. No, I'm not going to have a cigarette. Meaning what you're trying to do is counter your own will, and it's more or less doomed. It's like frontal. Yes, it's, it, you're attacking the will directly, and it's more or less doomed. So how do we then make, I'm sorry, I took like a lot of pages because it's in a, it builds on itself, but I found that this concept, even just on its own, without having the whole story yet, I found that the concept alone has been helpful. What's this, what's this again? His name is Rabbi Ruven Leichter, L-E-U-C-H-T-E-R. He has a book on prayer and a book on shuva. Okay. All right. So we are stuck under the illusion that the Avera is an integral part of our lives and that without it, existence would be unbearably dull. This is really easy to imagine when you think about kids. They want to do something, and you're telling them no. But it's true of ourselves as well. There's an underlying belief that if we did the thing that we probably shouldn't really be doing, it will be more pleasant. And that if we are able to resist and hold back, that might be successful, but won't be so much fun. (laughs) <laughs> it won't be so interesting. It won't taste so good. It won't, the day won't be as enjoyable. But, okay, and, you know, when you say it like that, it just sounds so, like, petty. And the truth is, it is. <laughs> we really do. Yeah. And this prevents us from giving concrete expression to the pure positive will which Torah study and performance of mitzvot reveal within us, which is why we could really want to do what's good, be really driven. We could be doing Torah learning Torah, doing a lot of mitzvahs, and by doing so, revealing a real will for good, we haven't taken away the will for the bad. And so you still can't... Okay, so we have to work on a higher level where the Avera and the Yitzhahara are not dominant. And in this way, it's possible to give our positive inner will an upper hand. Okay, just to, like, draw some parallels here... We're talking now about Shema, which is at a cognitive level, which is a higher level than the emotional level, more associated with the Sahara. Yeah, but but again, but even so, he's saying just the fact that you're learning Torah might bring out the good, but it doesn't. You have to know where to focus the work to make the tshuva happen. Okay, so tshuva sounds like why are we talking about tshuva? It's not like it's shvat, you know. But, but if you think about it in terms of correcting that, you know, get improving. I want to improve the areas I haven't improved. And you know, it's been a few months since Elul, and I haven't made the progress I would have hoped for. Maybe I'm making the same resolutions year after year after year, and they don't seem to have changed. which is always a sign that maybe I'm going about it wrong. Once ignited, the positive inner will can provide the means for us to build a new life. Okay, now he quotes the Nefesh HaChaim. He says, the Nefesh HaChaim explains how to concentrate our efforts on a higher level. So it's very nice to tell me that I have to concentrate my efforts on some higher level where the Eid won't get me, but what does that actually mean? How do you do it? Now, we're going to need his explanation to Nefesh HaChaim, because if we're going to turn to the Nefesh HaChaim to understand practical Lemaisa Tachlis, you know, I'm not sure we have enough knowledge to do that. So he starts by quoting this, Nefesh HaChaim. An extraordinary insight into how we can approach Teshuva. Even if Jewish souls are steeped in evil desires, Hashem has established that these souls should be raised up by means of his Ruach, in accordance with the verse "Va'anizos brisi itam. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says Hashem. Ruchi Alecha, my Ruach which is upon you, shall not be withdrawn. And in accordance with the verse concerning the Exodus from Egypt, Anochi Hashem alokecha. I am Hashem, your Lord, who took you out of the land of Egypt. Okay, so now you read this and you're like, okay, I definitely missed like the first five Kabbalah classes. Like, <laughs> what, what, what exactly was that practical advice? <laughs> this is expounded by Chazal. We're still quoting the Nefesh so we so it's going to be just kind of words for the moment. Chazal say in Gemara and Shabbos, Anochi, when Hashem gave the Torah gave the Torah and he began with the Aseras Hadibros, the first word of which was Anochi, I. I am Hashem your God. This is the word Anochi is the beginning of all of the giving of Torah. The word Anochi is an acronym. Okay. Sort of like put the Nefeshachhaim here on pause for a moment. What does it mean if we say that a word is an acronym? So since every word represents a combination of letters, each of which represents a spiritual idea, and the word, by combining the letters, represents a spiritual reality, it's a, an expression of a spiritual reality, it's a description of it, then if I say that a word is an acronym, or if Chazal, if I say a word is an acronym, that's like whatever, but if Chazal says that a word is an acronym, what it means is, here is an aspect of the spiritual reality described by this word. I'm going to tell you what it is. And Chazal say it's an acronym for two things, which is already interesting. In other words, you have to have both sides of it. One is, ananafshi kasivas yahavis, which apparently means, I wrote and gave my nefesh. Right? A God, in the same way that, it, that the Torah describes Hashem, breathed into Adam and he became alive and we spoke about what that that means is coming from within God and being shared into the human we talked about it Rosh Hashanah time the inhale and the exhale right Mm -hmm. so Hashem is saying I'm giving you the Torah what I'm giving you is is I'm writing down and sharing with you something of whatever it means my nefesh that the aspect of me that is connected to the physical world I'm sharing that with you and What's the other acronym for Anochi? Amira Ne'ima Kesiva Yehiva. Amira Ne'ima means a pleasant statement. Do you hear the Amir? You understand why I'm, why I'm bringing this here, right? Because we're talking about Vayomer Hashem El Moshe And how Vayomer means explain it fully and clearly. And Vayomer means it's a statement that's made that satisfies the heart of the person who asked the question. An answer that satisfies the heart of the recipient, Amira Neima kasiva Yehiva, which means a pleasant statement was written and given. This is the giving of the Torah, Anochi of giving of the Torah, and these correspond to two aspects of the soul nefesh and ruach. That's the end of the quote that he brings from the Nevi'im. Now we're going to hear how Rabbi Leifer explains the Nevi'im. Rav Chaim of Elashin thus explains that the word Anochi is an acronym from which Chazal derived two different but complementary meanings. According to the first of these, Anochi implies that in giving the Torah to the Jewish people, Hashem, as it were, gave of himself, or more precisely of his nefesh, this first level of the soul. Nefesh is also the will, is associated with one's will and desire. So in giving the Torah, Hashem is sharing with us his rutzon. In receiving the Torah, we receive his Nefesh and his rutzon, so to speak, inside of us. This is uh, sort of like a Kabbalistic explanation of what we learned from Rav Schwab about Kabbalah Torah making a change to our soul, and how all of humanity were offered the chance to receive the Torah. But they didn't accept it. It didn't absolve them, really, of any mitzvos, per se. What it did was it said, I don't accept within I didn't inhale. (laughs) You're you're breathing, but I didn't inhale. I didn't accept this within myself. It didn't become part of myself. This gives every Jewish soul an organic connection to Hashem and a profound natural desire to fulfill the mitzvos. That's what we want to tap. Right? We're trying to find how do you get in touch with a profound inner desire to do the mitzvahs. The second understanding of Anochi is that it conveys the pleasure of Torah study. A pleasant statement written and given, implying that the experience of receiving Torah deeply touches us and allows us access to a higher level of soul, just as Ruach is higher than Nefesh. And from here, we can be affected. That's kind of what you were saying about the learning Torah. And that is a way of getting above the level of just the Yetzirah. But hear how he now takes the lesson from this Nefesh HaChayim. The Nefesh HaChaim teaches that the way in which we can reconnect to the mitzvahs of the Torah is through Amira Ne'ima, pleasant speech, pleasant explanation. The great difficulty with Tshuva is that even if one wants to align his actions with Hashem's will, he's still caught in the grip of his negative desires. And so the will of Torah is alien to him. You have this sort of will that seems like a different will, and then still, you still have these two different wills going. The Torah doesn't make a claim on his entire being. So you still have the negative feelings. So the solution to the difficulty lies in Amira Ne'ima. The solution to the difficulty is in discovering how Hashem's Amira is Ne'ima. How is Hashem's statement, his commandment, his giving of the Torah, actually pleasant? In other words, if I'm having trouble with a certain mitzvah or a certain avera, not just that I learn Torah in general. I know Torah is somehow the antidote, right? I actually study this. Yes, I'm not performing it, or I'm not performing it right, or I'm violating it, whatever the case is for that mitzvah. I'm going to go start learning about it, and I'm going to learn it, and I'm going to find all kinds of aspects to it until... I find the one that is amira ne'ima for me. The part that makes me feel like the Orochayim said, that there's a, a mala and a kavod that comes from doing it. Something that appeals to me. Oh, I want to be that. I want to be like that. I want to relate to that. It, it, to ignite a will to that mitzvah but we've circumvented. We haven't done anything about the fact that there was a negative Yetzirah pulling us in a different direction. What we've done instead is gone and around, Scribes is coming around the top of the hay, we've gone around through another door and we've said, without any pressure about change, what is this, how can I find how it appeals to me? Now, the reason I came to this book is because there was an interview with Rabbi Lechter in the Mishpacha. And it was talking about his approach to tshuva in general. It didn't quote this section, but it was a similar type of approach. And he gave examples there with, with learning Torah. The person feels, probably, well, I have to learn Torah all day, so there's no point in learning at all, because I'm not going to be learning all day. And, and saying, well, what does it mean to learn Torah all day? It means that somewhere in my mind, I'm turning over ideas of Torah all the time. So maybe if I spent five minutes in the morning reading some sort of puzzling question, then all the rest of the day, while I'm doing my rounds as a doctor or something, somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm still puzzling over what I read. That's something appealing. All of a sudden, I found the Amira and the ima of the mitzvah, according to where I am. OK. okay. which means that by deepening our understanding of Torah, you know, it's such a generic-sounding statement. Well, learn Torah, and that will curate Zahara. It, it sounds generic. It could be it's enough to know that, but in practical terms, we find that it's often not. Like, we come around to Yom Kippur, and it's hard to see how we changed from last year. By deepening our understanding of Torah, the goal is the goal of learning Torah is to learn Torah. But in terms of using it as a tool for teshuva, to cultivate a profound inner identification with what it says and requires. And that might need some creativity. Because it could be that the way that your first grade teacher explained the mitzvah didn't happen to reach you. Or it could be that the... The way that you read it in a certain book was like talking at a level that just doesn't connect to the way that you approach things. So you keep learning, you're looking at different proportions, different ways of learning. You sit and you think about it. What is this mitzvah asking of me? What's the? Con- Let me get more clarity and more clarity and more clarity, If I get vayomer Hashema Moshe, until I reach Every time we read this in Shema, this can apply to our own Sitzes. right? it doesn't have to be a man's Sitzes, right? Anything that for me is the struggle, whether it's, you know, the example he brings in this book very often is examples with food because it's something everyone can relate to. But in any area of my life where I'm having trouble changing, to think, maybe what I need to do is find I, what i want going to do. This is using, by the way, my mind to choose something up front, not in the moment that I'm being tempted. I'm looking back and saying, how can I make it different? Well, maybe I can find a way that I do relate to this mitzvah. Maybe I can unearth the specific Amira that re, that I can connect to. So here's the example he gives. Uh, with the quoting Rav Yisrael Salanter on guiding a businessman and how to approach the mitzvah of Torah study, he says what Rav Yisrael Salanter provided was a paradigm shift. We normally assume, says Rav Yisrael, that because businessmen are so heavily involved in their daily business activities, the mitzvah of talmud Torah is not fully incumbent on them. Their minds are weighed down with commercial matters and they have pressure on their time, they're not free to focus on intricate Talmudic discussions. Since they may not have excellent memories, the difficulty is compounded. So it seems like what they should do is engage in a minimal degree of Torah study, rather than pour their efforts into suitable mitzvahs like tzedakah, and rather to do other mitzvahs. They say, well, I won't be such a person for learning Torah. I'll be a tzedakah person. However, Ravi Sol explains, the purpose of Torah study is not only to grapple with intricate Talmudic discussions. It is to join our minds with the Torah's mind. Mm-hmm. That is a paradigm shift. Why do you need to learn Torah every day? Not because you need to grapple with, you know, the Tanakama. And the you need to learn Torah every day, maybe, maybe also that. He didn't say not to, not only to. It is also to join our minds with the Torah's mind. There is a dimension of the mitzvah, which is not about achieving systematic and detailed comprehension of a particular subject. It's about developing an understanding of the concept that underlies the subject. When it's viewed in this way, it becomes entirely feasible and realistic for a businessman preoccupied with work, and perhaps even impeded by a poor memory, to seriously engage in the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. During the gaps in his day, at work and while traveling, there are opportunities to think over and over again about Torah ideals, ideas. And precisely through this contemplation, the mitzvah of Talmud Torah is in fact fulfilled. And this approach corresponds to the approach of tshuva described in the Nefesh HaChayim. Now he's going to link it all together. By discovering the Amira Ne'ima, we in turn discover... Contrary to what we might have expected, that the Torah makes an intensely personal claim on us and has deep relevance to our lives. Not because someone else insisted that it does. We can actually discover that it does. But we each have to do it. So in terms of tshuva, in whichever area we need to improve, we should study the various aspects of the pertinent mitzvah to the point where we discover. <laughs> we should study the various aspects of the pertinent mitzvah to the point where we discover its gishmak, its pleasure. Gishmak is like its tastiness. Now that is something that seems achievable in a way, right? I mean, even if you don't know, you look at some mitzvah and you think, well, it didn't sound appealing. Take away, To use his more common examples, like with food, there's a piece of cake, and we think if I eat the cake, it'll taste better. I really shouldn't eat the cake. It's only a taiva. Not about weight. It's a taiva. It's not, it's not to n- nourish myself at all, right? And then we think, okay, no, I'm going to control myself, and I won't. But our assumption inside is, if I did do it, I want it because it will taste good. But what if I knew that... Although it doesn't seem to me this cake would taste so good if I didn't eat it, (laughs) what if I thought, you know, what if I learned about not eating for taiva? Or learned about taiva? What if if there's some aspect of this that if I keep learning and I keep looking, I would actually be able to find a way where that would taste as good and be as appealing to me as eating it? Not because I'm conquering the taiva but I'm going to discover it. That seems like something, not only achievable, but something you could want. Because it's not denying yourself something, it's trying to figure out how to find the taste and the pleasure in what you do want to do. As a result of study, new understandings of the mitzvah emerge, and through them we encounter its ni'imus, its sweetness. Consequently, we become more tangibly connected to Hashem's will creating scope for our ratzon tahor, like our our own pure will, our positive inner will to express itself in concrete ways. Without this work, the world of mitzvos may well seem remote and elusive, and the world of Averos and Taivos may appear real and compelling. But by applying this paradigm shift to Torah study, both worlds can acquire the same tangible quality. We can even the playing ground. We could actually develop a desire for something that at least approaches the desire, or let's say a desire not to have something that approaches the desire to have it, and vice versa. And a desire for something that maybe we, uh, I don't feel like wearing tzitzis, it weighs on me. But you could develop a desire for the tzitzis that runs parallel to the desire not to, That's a whole different ballgame when it comes to how you're going to choose now. Mm -hmm. Thus, even if one remains caught up in negative drives and impulses and feels cut off from Hashem, it is still possible for him to connect to the sweetness of Torah and to rebuild his life. This work, by definition, is of a very personal nature. Each individual should strive to reveal how the Torah speaks to him. We will, however, present practical approaches to illustrate the Amira Naima approach. Okay, (laughs) so I'm not gonna do them, although it would be really, really neat to try and work through the book too, (laughs) because it's a really powerful book and I can't recommend it enough even though I'm not quite halfway through, nearly. And this is after like months and months and months, just little bits, because at least so far, It really is a paradigm shift. It's a different way of thinking about tshuva altogether, a different way of thinking about the ability to change and to grow. And this Amira Naima, I think, is pretty clear from the other meforsham that that's what they're pointing us to at the beginning of Vayomer Hashem El Moshe Leimor. And it's perhaps less surprising then that you're talking about a mitzvah where there's an element of you have to want it. You have to want it. Because that's the avoda of a naima. It's maybe I just missed the part. <laughs> maybe I missed it. Or I didn't get to it yet. So I can do this mitzvah because I have to do it. But to really do this mitzvah well, i got to want to do it. And the way I come to want to do it is by being open to exploring it more and learning about it and reading about it and hearing about it not for what I thought was the reason that that would somehow brainwash me eventually into doing it. Not only because of that, but because eventually I'm going to find, if I keep trying, I will unearth the diamonds in there and I will find something that pulls me. That's the pleasant speech, the pleasant way that Hashem gave the Torah to us, that he gave his ratzon into us. That will become illuminated for us. And then that's something I really want. I'm still going to have to choose it because I haven't taken away the Itzahara. But now I've got a will and a desire that is competent and strong enough to actually say no to the Itzahara because there's something even better that I want, as opposed to just no to the Itzahara because I really shouldn't do that. Or somebody might catch me. God might catch me. Just, you know, it works, but only, it only works so far. And we're trying to go another step beyond that. Thank <laughs> you.